morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, all those people who are out in the hallway talking and, and socializing. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. What a, what a day. I actually forgot about it. <laughs> I did. You know, I came downstairs, and, and, and Kathy said to me, Happy Father's Day, and I kind of went, oh, yeah. Happy Father's Day. So happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. I already Thank said that to you. Probably the best way to experience happy Father's Day is to realize that you forgot it and to have somebody remind you just like it's your birthday. You don't want to be like four hours in, you know, because then you start to stew. That's true. Me especially. I'm a stewer. Are you a stewer? I'm a big time stuff. You think about stuff over and over and worry over it? I wouldn't say worry. I just get annoyed. <laughs> You know, it's like, uh, it's uh, people have been up for two hours. There's been no acknowledgement of my special day. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I'm just ticking it up. So I, it's like I'm creating this bank of, you know, bitterness that <laughs> really does me no good whatsoever. And thank you for that introduction to the topic of the day. Bitterness? <laughs> What's happening in our hearts? Oh, yeah. That's Definitely. happening in our hearts. Yeah. Now, hey, let, before we get into that, let's, is there any announcements, Jesse? I think there's a couple of them. I know that the, the shipments have invited people over to their house on Tuesday. I, I believe it's at 6 o'clock. You don't need to bring anything. If you would like to come, they would love to have you over. Um, what else? What? Work party next week. Next sa Saturday, um, that we are getting um, some bark dust lo dropped off. They want to do the bark dust around here. Um, there are if if bark dust is not your thing, there are other things that does need to be done. Like the kitchen needs to be deep cleaned. It it desperately needs that. And there's just other few other little things around here. Um, but Greg did ask if you would like to come. More wheelbarrows would be helpful because they only have two, and hopefully we'll have more. So next work work party next Saturday, um, June twenty sixth, nine to noon. That's it. So speaking of like deep cleaning, so like I, I, I feel like you're one of those people that like really when they want to clean something gets kind of really into it. Toothbrush and that kind of stuff. Am I wrong? Only rarely. Why? No, I was just thinking about when we went to this. Excuse me, change the subject. But this plays into it. I was okay. We were going to this lacrosse game. Yeah. Yeah. And we had this big beverage cooler. Big enough to hold Gatorade in it, and, and you we were rinsing it. it out, and this black stuff kind of came out. Ugh. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because it hadn't been used in a year and a half, and we're supposed to be like filling this up with stuff for the boys to drink from, right? And first of all, the thought is this is disgusting. Yeah. And then we started to take it apart, and found all these little pieces that were covered in black sludge. So at first it was gross, and then it was incredibly satisfying when you found like where the issue was and we just like flushed it out and we're talking about transition yeah that's the name of the topic <laughs> that was a uh, terrible transition terrible but transition but thank you um, we're in mark 7 we're going to actually do a large section mark 1 through 23 it's the, the topic of, of of the ritual cleaning of hands and you know we all know that there's something wrong with the world. Once in a while, we, we look our head, poke our head up and we realize something's not right. Last year was one of those years that 
things are just not right. But we don't like to think about that and be like, okay, I got other things to think about. I got to go to work, right? We just put our head down. And once in an even more rare while, something happens that makes us, reminds us that we are not right. Not just the world, there's something not right with us. And we really don't like thinking about that. And there's lots of ways that we try and make that feeling go away. What do we do to make that happen? How do we make us feel clean and not dirty? That's the topic of the day. And what Jesus and the Pharisees, they come to heads with this. They agree that there's a problem. They don't agree on the solution or the depth of the problem. And that's what we're going to talk about today. All right? Why don't I pray, and then you can pray for yourself as well. I've been meaning to tell you, because I know you pray for, for how you worship, so just like I do for so many of us. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the people who are here and the people who are getting to watch us online. I pray that you would bless this day, bless the, the fathers and, and the men in, 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 who get to hear this, that they would know that they are valuable and that they have a contribution, that they, that they are... Uh, that they are, 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 are loved by the people in their lives. Father, I pray for, for this service, that you would help us to worship you, to hear your voice, to praise you as you deserve. We, we, we set this time aside specifically for you. Father, first of all, thank you for your, not just your willingness, but it seems like your enthusiasm to use people who aren't the best, who we are, who fall short. And I take confidence in the fact that regardless of my aptitude, that you will find a way for this time to be used in a manner that glorifies you. And Lord, I would pray specifically that I am never a barrier to people to worship you or to build relationship with you. That I am as a central invitation for people to come to the throne, lay their burdens down, to acknowledge you, and to further that invitation people to their hearts and their lives that this would happen. continue to remind us of our reliance on you not because not not because you want to make us feel less of ourselves or that we would be pressed down but that we see the gaps and we know that the only way those gaps are filled is through you that when we see failings and when we see that we fall short that we know that your son Jesus was there to fill in for us that we don't run 
from our failures that we have gone our own ways, that we long to be better, and we still recognize that we're never wholly right. May we be filled today with your spirit, with your word, that we receive our daily bread. And Father, if there are things that, that you've planned for me, that I've planned to say that are not from you, I pray that you would remove them from my notes, remove them from my mind, or at least from our memory. And the things that are from you, Lord, may they ring loudly and clearly, because the last thing the world needs to hear is from another human. We need to hear from you, our creator, our, our God, and our savior. Use this to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to deal with the same problem that we've been dealing with often. And it's the issue of independence that we need God. We, as I, as I started the service with, we often know that there's something wrong. Something wrong with it. We, we have this occasional feeling that the world is just not right. You know, and we really felt that last year, that the world isn't right. But we, we don't really like that feeling, and we, we just kind of go, we just, let's just turn the news off. i got to get back to work. And we, fa- we, we focus in on that. The daily life, so, because, you know, it, the problem is too big, or it's just, I don't like it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't, I don't want to deal with it. And then even rarely, for most people, something happens that made you, makes us realize that not just the world is not right, that I'm not right. That we are not right individually, personally, in, t- in our sides, that we're somehow onto fit, that we're dirty, guilty. And we really don't like that. Some people deal with feel with it, feel this all the time, but for most people, they're like, I don't like this feeling, um, and there's all kinds of ways we deal with that to make that feeling go away. But it gnaws, doesn't it, at the back of our mind that we're not fit for heaven. That's what we're talking about today. And as we're going to see that the problem is much bigger, much deeper, and external solutions just aren't going to fix it. We need a radical solution. And that's what we're going to see right here. The question is, is how do we get clean? And we're going to look at that, but we're just going to go through this story about Jesus and these Pharisees. Let me read a couple of verses to kind of get the sense of what's going on here. One day some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. Okay, these are going to be the main people who are are opposite of Jesus. Um, But we need to make sure, as I've said this before, we need to not villainize the the Pharisees. Because if anybody today is the Pharisees, it's religious people. Particularly conservative people. That's us. We need to put ourselves, in, generally speaking, in that category. But these are the people, they come down to see Jesus, and, and, and then they notice something. They notice that some of Jesus' disciples fail to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. 
There's a certain way they do things. that They don't wash their hands ritually. And then Mark makes this little parenthetical little imp- uh, comment so that you really understand what's going on here. And he says, so the Jews, especially the Pharisees, but generally all the Jewish people, co- this is their culture. They don't eat until they've poured water over their cupped hands. In fact, the word there is, it's a fist. There's a specific way of doing it um, as required by their ancient tr- traditions. This isn't, in, this isn't in the law. This is not the law. The law was very specific on who needed to do this ritual curing, purification. It's the priests before they go into the temple so that they're ri- fit to be in there. But they expanded it to everybody. And they did it for everything. They don't eat the market until they immerse their hands in water. And they, and they do this for all kinds of things, whether it's ceremonial washing of cups and pitchers and kettles and all kinds of things. It's, it's their culture. It's not about dirt. It's not about hygiene. Of course it helps. And it doesn't mean that the disciples weren't actually kind of rinsing the water off. The, the dirt off their hands. No, it's that they weren't doing it properly with the full ritual that goes with it. And the issue that's getting at hand here is everybody, all of the Jews understood, and Jesus isn't going to disagree with this, is that humanity is what is called unclean, defiled before God. And, and, and it connects with this idea that is in the law of that before a priest can actually get into the actual presence of God, they have to be prepared for it because humanity is not right. It's not right. It's like like going on a first date. You you, you don't want to go there stinky, do you? Right? With dirt all over. You know, you take a shower. You want to be presentable. If you're going to go meet your friends, your, your favorite celebrity or, or, or some important person, you, you dress up, right? And you put clean clothes on and all that. It, it, it's the same idea. You want to be presentable. And so it's not really about cleanliness. It's about being fit. And the, all the Jews understood, and it's a basic thing in the Bible that says people aren't right. And we know this. If there's any doctrine in the Bible, and there's probably several of them, but this is one that I don't need the Bible to prove this, that humanity is not right. We know it, even though we pretend it's not the case. We know that the world is wrong, even though we we pretend that that's not the case. We push it away. There's a current... Uh, kind of a, it, it, the word is trope. It's a, it's a way of doing things. And you can see in all the kinds of different movies and books and stuff these days, um, including a movie right that, that's out cr- right now called Cruella, in which what we, what we do is we take an evil character that's traditionally been an evil character and we make them a sympathetic character. We, we justify it for some reason. They're, they're a victim. They, they had a bad parent. They're you know, they didn't, have a ha- they didn't have a choice. Whatever it is, we make it in a, in, in a way that it's like, it's understandable. They still do bad actions, but they're understandable. Why do we do that? I think it's because we're trying to deal with this issue of why. Why is there bad in the world? But we should 
He should have learned this lesson. In the 1900s, that century, the last about 100 years, has been so bloody that it should have shook the human race out of it. Unfortunately, we forget, we have forgotten this. Let me just pull out some statistics because I don't really, I don't remember them. Between 1958 And 1969, in China, 78 million people were murdered. In Russia, between 1932 and 1939, 23 million were murdered. In Germany, the Holocaust, 1939 to 1945, 12 million Jews were, were murdered. In the Congo, 1886 to 1908, 8 million people were murdered. Japan, 41 to 44, 5 million. In Turkey, 1915 to 1920, 1.2 million were murdered. Cambodia, 75 to 79, 1.7. North Korea, 48 to 94, 1.6. Ethiopia, 1.5. And this is just the top ones, and this is just governments. In the end, about 140 million people were killed by other human beings last century. And that's not dealing with things like the drug trade or in, in, interpersonal murders. It's not dealing with things like all the other crap that we do. And I'm, I know that's an offensive word, but guys, we need to, maybe we need a strong language to deal with it because we, we don't want to think about that. But the intellectual people at the time after World War II were, were shocked by what happened. This was my major. So let me give you a little, in, in my undergraduate, let me give you a little bit of a history lesson so you get it. In the 1800s, there was a deep, deep belief of progress, that the world is getting better, that people are getting better, that the problems are going to get resolved. There was all these utopian societies that were popping up all over the place because they believed that we were right on the cusp of solving all the world's problems. And then World War II hit, which, if you know anything about history, you, you know, it had a title. And it wasn't World War II, it was the War to End All Wars. Because they believed at the beginning of the 1900s that they were going to end war. This was it. No more war after this. That the war will be, de will be, will be dealt with. And even our own president afterwards um, created the, the precursor to the United Nations. And it was because this is what's going to solve the problems of, of the world. And then World War II hit. And the reality of the Holocaust hit. And all the stuff that happened in China and in, in Russia. And it's like, they freaked out mentally. The people who were paying attention. Let me give you a couple of quotes by some people because I don't have them written. One social philosopher and, and who had been atheist says this. this is a long, these are some long quotes, so, so bear with me. He says, it was because we rejected 
the doctrine of original sin that we on the left were always being so disappointed. Disappointed by the refusal of people to be reasonable. By the behavior of nations and politicians above all. By the, by the reoccurrent fact of war. The jargon of philosophy of progress taught us that the savages and the primitive state of, of man was behind us. But we realize now, no, it's in us. Dorothy Sayers continues, said that World War I was a terrible blow to the educated class in England, an optimistic belief in the civilization, civilizing influence of progress and enlightenment. These are the people who found the appalling outburst of bestial ferocity of the totalitarian states, the obstinate selfishness and stupid greed of capitalism, not merely shocking, but alarming. For them, these things aren't the utter negation of everything which they have, for, the, for them, these things are the utter negation of everything in which they had believed. It is to the bot as though the bottom had dropped out of their universe. They asked, what is wrong with human society? It, lay, it lays in the human heart. It lay, it lay in social structures is what we thought, and a lack of education. Boy, this, this could be written today, right? What was wrong with hu human society was not the human heart. It lay in social structures, a lack of education. It was a lack of applying what we know through science. Therefore, we could just fill in these gaps and human society would achieve greatness. But modern history is littered with the disillusioned people who thought capitalism would make us better or socialism would make us better. The sins of the human heart just express themselves differently in these systems. Guys, that was written 70 years ago. But we've forgotten that. There's something really, really wrong. But in our modern society, we, you know, we just can't accept that. And so maybe, maybe that's why we've done this. We've, we've changed the standards. We've changed how we deal with it. Because we can't, we can't accept the fact that people are not good. And yet there's evil in the world. What's the problem? Well, this is what Jesus and the Pharisees are dealing with. And they know, they both agree that there's a problem. And so here's the actual charge. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law says, why don't your, your disciples follow these, these age-old traditions, these, these traditions of the elders, which are not the law, based on the law, it's an application of it, and eat without first doing this hand ceremony. There's this, all this external stuff that they're trying to do to make people okay. Why don't you do that? There's a problem. And Jesus' response is twofold. One, you don't see the depth of the problem. And two, you don't see the height of the standard. So Jesus replies, you hypocrites. Let's just pause for a moment. What is a hypocrite? What's a hypocrite? Hypocrite in the Bible is this word could be substituted for the word actor. It's an actor. It wasn't necessarily a negative term. It was just you put on a mask and you pretend to be something. 
And we, it, it, so if you get the, the sense, it's like if I'm an actor on a stage and I'm on a play and I'm, I'm pretending to be this heroic, massively handsome guy. I have this mask and I'm acting like it. But the reality is I'm a scaredy cat and I don't look very good. That the outside, the mask presents one thing, but inside is not matching. That's the idea. It's a part. Now, in our own world, we, 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 some people put it this way. It's a person who expects others to live up to their standards, condemning them for their actions, the actions that they themselves are doing. It's a, it's a feeling that, that you aren't doing what you say you're supposed to do. There's a disconnect between the outside and what you re how you do. You say this, but you do that. It's a little different. It's like it's, 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 it's putting on a show. It's judgment is what they're getting at today. I'm talking about what Jesus is saying here. There's a disconnect from the outside and the inside, which is what you're going to see right here. Isaiah was right when you prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are from me. They do the right thing. They praise God. They say, God, you're amazing. But inside, they're not doing that. They don't actually do that. And it continues. They worship is a farce. Why? Because they teach man-made ideas of commandments of God. They worship. They're acting right. They're doing the right things. They're honoring God. They're worshiping God. But inside doesn't match. Doesn't match. The problem is not external. The problem is inside. It's the human heart. Or as the quote put it, we're bestial. This, the, the, the human heart expresses itself in wrong ways. And what the Pharisees have been doing, and he's going con to continue to explain that, is you're trying all these external things to make it fixed, but that's not deep enough. You substitute God's, and he, and he says, what you, there's a progression here, and if you're writing in your Bible, there's three words I want you to underline. Here's the first one. For you ignore God's law and substitute your tradition underneath, under, underneath the word ignore. He's, he starts by saying what you do is you just, you, you, you set it aside. You pretend that it's not there. You ignore it. And we do this in our society. It's like, yeah, I know I shouldn't lie, but I'm just going to pretend that that's not the case. I know that's not true, but I do it anyhow. But then he continues. You skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your tradition. Some translations put the word reject. It's a, in both of those, it's the idea of an active choice to not, I am not doing that. It's not just passive. The first one was passive. This one is an active, that is not right. I don't agree with that. It's we do that in our society. We look at some of our morals in our current culture and we're like, nope, that's not true. And then he goes on and he gives an example here. And I, I'll read through it 
it's a little convoluted, but this translation, which is why I chose it, helps explain it a little bit. For instance, Moses gives you this law from God, honor your mother and your father, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of his father or mother must be put to death. That's what the law actually says, right? But they say it is all right for you for people to say to the parents, sorry, I can't help you for I have vowed to give, the, give to God what I would have given to you. And then in this way, you disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel, and that's the third word, the word of God in order to hand down your tradition. And this is one example of many things. That's briefly, let me explain what it is. It's like, um, mom, you, you, you want me to buy you some groceries? I'm sorry, everything I, 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 I all my money that I, I would have helped you with that, I, I gave it to the church. You can't do it. I gave it to the church. I pledged it to the church. Oh, and, and they won't let me undo that because, you know, it's a vow. And you, you, don't, you don't break a vow. And in doing so, you actually don't do what God did say to do. Because God never told you how much to give to the church. He didn't say you had to give it in that way. And you can hear the arguments, right? Well, is it good to give to the church? Yes. Should you keep your word? Yes. So therefore, pledge your money and never and don't get back on it. And in doing so, you actually are forcing people to not do what God does say to do, which is take care of your parents. They cancel it. Not only do they ignore it, not only do they actually say it's not, but they set up a system of culturally de determined ways of thinking that says this is what God really wants, and whatever that is actually completely reverses what God has for you. And in this way, it makes them feel righteous while doing something wrong. And this is the problem. And we do this in our society. We ignore what God has to say and pretend it's not there. Then we might actually actively justify not doing it. And we'll come up with all kinds of excuses to actually make what is wrong right so that we can do it. We justify our evil. See, nobody thinks they're a hypocrite. Few people really think they're a hypocrite, if anybody. You and I are, would not, who, who would really raise their head and says that you're a hypocrite? few of you might, yeah. But what you're really going is like, I know that it doesn't match. And that's the way it should be. We know it doesn't match. Everybody knows our outsides and insides don't match. What you can't do is show it. Because that reveals that the human heart is broken. And Jesus is pointing this out. There's no way that, that, the, that the Pharisees really thought the Isaiah prophecy right here was true. For them. No, no, no. You're not, we're not ignoring God's thing. We're not, we're not teaching man-made ideas. No, this is this is the authoritative interpretation of the Bible. Right? How many of you have heard that? This is how you need to apply it. But we raise these these fences, these these these, these interpretations, these applications to the level of sin, and in it we actually ignore what God actually has said. But we don't have to 
because you, you, you lower the standard so we can do it. See, the, the, uh, the Pharisees are upset because the disciples are not doing these external actions. And Jesus is like, but you're wrong because you're ignoring this massive rot inside your own heart. And that's what really matters. What is the problem? It's the heart. If we continue on here in verse 14, Jesus called, he makes it public. And I'll run through this quickly. Then Jesus called the whole crowd come together because he was talking privately before. All of you, listen up. Try to get what I'm saying. And he go. it's not what goes into your body that defiles you, these external things that you do and say, but it's what comes out of your heart. The heart is the problem. And then Jesus goes into the house and his disciples, they don't get it either, as they often don't. They asked him, what is meant by this? And he, and he goes, don't you get it either? Okay, don't you see that when you eat a piece of food, you put it in your mouth, what happens? It doesn't defile you, what does it do? It goes into you, it doesn't go into the heart. Heart, for the in, it, it, we've been throwing that word around. What it means in the Bible is the inner self, your thoughts, your intentions, your motivations, your emotions. It's, it's, it's the inner you, the real you. It's not your, the muscle that's right here that does this. That's not what this is. But when you eat food, Jesus says, does it go into your heart? Well, no. What does it do? It goes in your tummy, and it comes out the other side. That's all that happens. By, by saying this, he declares every food is acceptable. We're going to talk a lot more all about that next week. But here's the point. It's not what comes from comes it's not what it comes from inside it's what's when inside that defiles you and then he continues for it's inside your heart comes evil thoughts sexual immorality theft murder adultery greed wickedness deceit lustful desires envy slander pride foolishness all these things the, the these vile things come from within and that is what makes you dirty that's what makes you unfit it's here not the externals. You can even do the externals right. But you can have the wrong motivations. We all know that, don't we? You can go to a party and you can see someone and you're like, oh, that's rich. Hi, how are you? It's so good to see you. Right? Yeah. Outwardly, we can put on a great show. But God sees your heart and he knows exactly What's happening here, even if we ignore it? What is the standard? Huh. Jesus says, you've heard from people long ago, you shouldn't murder. Right. So he, let me give you the full standard. But anyone, and anyone who murders is, is subject to judgment. Yeah, but I tell you, anyone who is even angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And anyone who says to his brother, it basically means stupid, raka, is stupid head. Think about that, how many times we've called somebody stupid head, right? Or the equivalent, you fool, uh, is answerable to the court. And anyone says you fool is in danger of the fire of hell. 
Because it's not about physically murdering them. How many people have, have wanted to hurt someone mentally? You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Great, I've not committed adultery. Oh, yeah? Anyone who looks at another woman lustfully has already done it. See, the standard is much, much, much higher than you and I think. And that feels so condemning, and so we go, no, this can't be. So we change, the, we change it, like, no, we just focus on the externals. All we have to do is these special little rituals, you know. I'm not like them. I've done this, I've done that. I'm okay. There's that nagging feeling. People aren't really bad. They're just victims, right? See, I think that's what that trope is about. We don't understand it yet. We're trying to justify it. And we all kind of at this point, and I can feel it in the room going, oh, my. This is heavy. But you understand, it is to these people that Jesus came. He came to you in this. He knows and he loves you as you is. So that you would be clean. That's the whole point. He wants to take you for heaven. And so what is the solution? There's a prophecy in Ezekiel talking about what Jesus will do. And it goes like this. I will sprinkle clean water on you and I shall make and I and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. From all your idols, I will clean you. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. A heart that's responsive, that's alive. And notice that it's he's doing that. No external issue. I will cleanse you. You don't need to cleanse yourself. In fact, you can't. I will cleanse you. I will remove your idols. I will remove your heart of, of stone that's hard and, 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 and is used to hurt. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. I will do this. I will fix this for you. Because I care about you. I want you in my presence. And all this running around trying to do all this stuff to make yourself not dirty. It ain't working. Just like they realized at the end of World War II, it isn't working. That's right. But I can do it, says Jesus. And so we go. This ends up being. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. He's explaining what that prophecy did through Jesus. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the holy place, why? Because we've been made clean by the blood, the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the death of Jesus. By a new and living way that opened us through the curtain, through that thing that separated us from our from our soul's desire, our heart's desire, our thing that we long for more than anything else, 
he did that through his death. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with water. You're clean because of Jesus. Or as Paul puts it in 2 Timothy, in the goodness, the loving kindness of God, of our God and Savior appeared, Jesus who saved you. Not because of these, these, these external works that we try and do all the time, but because of his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. You are clean in Jesus. And a couple of questions to just, just take some time to think about is, what do you do to try and make yourself feel not lost? What do people in the world do? Think about that. Because ev- whatever those things are, you need to s- at least identify them and go, maybe I need to s- do some of them, sure, but I, not to, I need to not believe that that's what makes me clean. It's what Jesus did. What does the world do? So you can have compassion on them. Because they're trying so hard to be right and they they know they're not. It's why they do so many of the things they're doing is they know the standard and they they just they can't live up to that. And so they're 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 lowering it, they're twisting it, they 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 posture all these different ways to be right and and, and and God's going, oh, I know what you're trying. It doesn't work. Just come to me and I will make you clean. And some of you are like, I know I'm not clean. But I want you to hear that you are. Just believe him when he says you are. Don't trust your feelings on that. Feelings are beautiful and they're wonderful, but they're a bad guide to the truth. And believe it. And some of you are like, but I want to be good. I want to be right. Believe that he who created, started this good work in you will finish. He's not finished with you yet. By his power, he will change you. He will change you and make you into that masterpiece he longed to be. In his time. But meanwhile, he's just saying, will you trust me to do it instead of relying on yourself? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for making me and us clean. Oh, help us to not lean on all these other actions that we do to try and be right. To to be fit for your presence, to fit for heaven. Help us to just trust in the death and resurrection and the blood that washes away our sin and makes us clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Joe's going to play a little bit, and uh, as we think about communion and we get ready for that, um, nothing can stop you from coming to Jesus but yourself. 
God bless you today with joy and peace in Him.